like the middle of the night again. Welcome to the Chemo Files. I'm Debbie Gallant. And here's what 3 a.m. sounds like in my house these days. It's like the middle of the night again. That's right. It is like the middle of the night, so... Right now, this whole sleep thing is pretty weird. If you go to sleep at 8 o'clock in the evening, it shouldn't surprise anybody that you might be wide awake around 3. I'm smack in the middle of my five months of chemotherapy. I was told from the beginning that, like a law of physics, the side effects of chemo would be cumulative, especially when it came to fatigue. It would add up. And I'm feeling it. If I go to the office and work till three, I can guarantee you, the minute I get home, I'll climb straight into bed, and then I'm out for hours. Plus, it's that time of the year the days are short and getting shorter. If I give in to sleep in the afternoon, I've wasted a scarce resource, daylight. It's like living in Scandinavia. It feels like midnight, 23 hours a day. It's just like like the night goes on and on and on. It's just like night forever. I don't know about that. That's just, uh, you know, we're sleeping more than we did before because we're tired more than we were before. This This is part of the game. This is a temporary thing you're going through. Yeah, but my like my mom used to say that I I was like I did that as a baby. I was like it was an accusation against me that I was that I slept at the wrong time. So it's, it goes deep into my childhood. This you know fear of honey. You are not a child. <laughs> you are not a baby. You have not been a baby for a number of weeks now. <laughs> it does not really matter what your mother used to say. So what? You do have to accept that your body is kind of under assault and it will throw off your sleeping cycle. All right, signing off at 3.15 a.m. after having been asleep for God knows how long. It's reminding me of the Greek myth of Persephone. You might remember it from school. Persephone is the daughter of Zeus, the king of the gods of Mount Olympus, and Demeter, the goddess of the harvest. One day, Persephone is out picking flowers with friends, and she begins to wander off. And as she gets further away from her companions, she sees a beautiful Narcissus, and as she goes to pull it up, Hades comes rising out of the earth. Ellen Bacalian teaches classics at Montclair State. Hades comes rising out of the earth in his golden chariot pulled by his horses, snatches the young girl, and goes right back down in an instant. And there's nothing left to say where she was, no clues. Demeter, the mother, hears the echoes of her daughter's cries, but nobody else hears anything. And as Persephone is going down, down, down into Hades, she's screaming and crying and trying to grasp onto a hope while she can still see some daylight, she thinks that she might escape. But then she finds herself in the depths of the underworld where there is no light. And she is essentially a prisoner. Eventually, the gods reach compromise. And Persephone is allowed to return from the underworld, but only for half the year. The other half, she spends beneath the surface of the earth in total darkness, which is how Greek mythology explained winter and spring. And I, too, feel like I've been sucked into a world of darkness. It's the darkness we all encounter this time of year, and which I've always hated. But this year seems even darker. 
because going out at night seems ridiculously exhausting. And too often I'm losing daylight hours to naps. And the timing of the Persephone myth seems almost uncanny because chemo will go through the end of January. Then I wait about a month and the plastic surgeon goes in to finish my breast reconstruction. And during all that time, my hair will begin to grow back slowly so that by March or April, just as the trees begin to sprout buds, I should be sporting a little pixie hairdo myself. Each week we've been cutting down the doses of the Decadron, so this will be the lowest dose that we're going to The regimen has so changed, too. I'm now on a drug called Taxol, and before each treatment, I get several pre-drugs. I get a steroid, which puts my body into overdrive, but I also get Benadryl, which wants to lull me into sleep. You know, the likelihood of a reaction becomes less and less and less. There's still that possibility. So that's why we give you the pre-medication. You don't have to take the pills, but we... This is new. I no longer bring my ukulele to chemo. During my infusions, which are now every week instead of every two weeks, I doze off. Then, when I get home, the drugs play a kind of tug of war. Sometimes the steroids win and I'm up all night, and sometimes the Benadryl wins and I'm out cold. Into this Alice in Wonderland freakiness, I have some of my own issues. You could call them, at the risk of sounding highfalutin, existential. Part of me wants to just let go, to allow myself to fall asleep whenever the exhaustion creeps in. And another part of me says, well, maybe time is running out. I want to do the most important writing I've ever done in my life. As usual, I talk about it to Noah. Noelle handed me this book at the beginning called Cancer is a Turning Point. And the book is about this psychologist who worked with cancer patients a long time ago. And the people in his stories, they all had something that they really wanted to do that they'd never done. You know, so I thought about it and I thought, like, well, what is it? What is the book trying to tell me? Or what is Noelle trying to tell me? Or what is the disease trying to tell me? You know, and, and, and Mala had asked this after the chemo she took me on. Does time feel urgent to you or does time feel the same? I don't know if I have decades to plan for in retirement or just a few years. You would treat it differently. You know, we've all been sort of taught to think about, well, let's do the prudent thing. Let's save up all the money. Let's, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you're thinking like, if I only had five years, if I had less than five years, what would I do? You don't, I mean, what would I do? I don't know. I think I, I think I've collected some wisdom. I want to teach it. I want to write it. I want to, it's more important. And so that's a pressure I've put on myself. And yet part of me recognizes this as a very old pattern. Somewhere along the line, when normal children would be content to play with their friends, I decided that accomplishment would be my thing. So in fifth grade, when the teacher assigned us to write a report on a state, I handed in a report on an extra state 
for good measure. And here I am now, still working full-time and taking on a new creative project, this podcast, while I'm in the middle of chemo, digging in again, hoping to leverage cancer into the vehicle that will explain the meaning of my life, if not everybody's. Is this part of a pattern that might be responsible for a number of physical ailments I've suffered? From Crohn's disease, which I got at 27, to insomnia and back pain in my 30s and 40s? Is the desire to justify my existence on the planet or impress my mom and dad at the same time making my body consume itself like a snake swallowing its own tail? Should I be embarking on this new ambition right now while the chemicals play their game of tug of war and the darkness envelops me? Well, my body's giving me a clue. It has a very simple ambition. It wants to lie on the couch and knit, and... Coach Taylor's contract is up for discussion at the board meeting this Saturday. It's only four days till Friday night. I'm starting to think that we're going to need a strategy. This is not just about football. That's right. What's getting me through the winter of my discontent, my winter of chemo, is Friday Night Lights, a show about high school football in a small Texas town. Mind you, I've always hated jocks and I loathe football, but I actually find the homespun wisdom of Coach Taylor oddly compelling. Noah thinks the appropriate word would be comforting, like the bland diet I've become accustomed to since starting chemo, carbs and Kyle Chandler. And the knitting? It's essentially become my neutral state. If I'm awake and home, I'm probably knitting. It's repetitive, calming, but the time I spend knitting and watching TV, while deeply comforting, I'm ambivalent about it, like I'm succumbing to the darkness. But Noah thinks it's a good thing. You don't, I don't know, you just don't seem to be like a person fighting it, like a person counting off the days in your calendar until it's over. And you are knitting. It's the thing you like to do and you're doing it. That's not so bad. And in the winter, you really retreat into yourself. The senses have nothing to feed them. It's cold. You can't smell anything when it's cold. There are no crickets, birds, there's nothing to hear. Everything is covered in snow. There's not much to see. So deprived of the senses, you think. Maybe he's right. I asked Professor Bacalian, is Persephone a tragic character? That's an interesting question because that, that's the one that scholars are, are seized, have seized upon over time. And there's different versions of the myth. Edith Wharton wrote about this myth, and she says that Persephone got used to the darkness, and she kind of liked it down there. It was quiet. It is quiet. The mighty weapons of chemo are seeking out microscopic evidence of cancer, and the drama is playing out invisibly, silently, at a molecular level, deep inside of me. I don't know if it's working. Neither does my doctor. We don't even know, really, if there is any cancer there to attack. It's all a shot in the dark. And it is dark. It's winter. And whatever grandiose dreams or lazy coping mechanisms I've concocted, maybe they're all okay. When I work, when I sleep, 
when I watch TV, it's all me getting ready to come back. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to think about the off-season. The off-season is about development, development of strength, development of speed, development of character. Football is a 12-month, 52-week, 365-day commitment, gentlemen. Have a great day today. Enjoy while it lasts. Tomorrow we go to work. Got it? Yeah. Thanks for listening to The Chemo Files. Ellen Bagalian, who teaches classics at Montclair State University, gave us the myth of Persephone. My co-producer and son, Noah Levinson, recorded and edited this episode, wrote the music at the top, but most importantly, helped me process my thoughts. We also used some music from Jefferson Airplane and dialogue from Friday Night Lights. Coach Taylor, thanks for believing in me. Now let's go kick cancer's butt.